Section 4 of The Waning of the Middle Ages, A Study of the Forms of Life, Thought, and Art, in France and the Netherlands in the 14th and 15th centuries. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Waning of the Middle Ages by Johann Huizinga. Translated by Frederick Jan Hopman. Pessimism and the Ideal of the Sublime Life, Part 2 The struggles of politeness, which some forty years ago were still characteristic of lower middle-class etiquette, were extraordinarily developed in the court life of the fifteenth century. A person of fashion would have considered himself dishonoured by not according to a superior the place which belonged to him. The Dukes of Burgundy gave precedence scrupulously to their royal relations of France. Jean Saint-Père never fails to show exaggerated respect to his daughter-in-law, the young princess Michelle of France. He calls her Madame. He bends his knee to the earth before her, and at table always tries to help her, which she will not suffer him to do. When Philip the Good learns that his cousin, the Dauphin, in consequence of a quarrel with his father, has removed to Brabant, he at once raises the siege of Devanter, which formed the first step to his very important scheme of conquering Friesland. He travels in hot haste to Brussels, there to receive his royal guest. As the moment of the meeting approaches, there follows a veritable race to be the first in doing homage to the other. At the news that the Dauphin is coming to meet him, the old duke is extremely vexed. He sends him Quote, three, four messages, one after the other, to tell him that if he should ride forward to meet him, he had taken an oath. He would quickly return to where he came from, and would retire before him so quickly and so far, that the other would not find him for a whole year, nor would see him whatever he did, for, he said, it would mean to him, the duke, ridicule and shame, which would never cease, but be imputed to him throughout the world, to all eternity, as a great outrage, and a foolish thing, which he was very anxious to avoid." Out of reverence for the blood of France, the Duke, although in the territory of the Empire, prohibits his sword to be carried before him on entering Brussels. Before reaching the palace, he hastily alights from his horse, enters the court, and passes on quickly on perceiving the king's son, quote, who has come down from his apartment, holding the Duchess by the hand, and rapidly goes to him in the inner court with wide open arms. End quote. At once the old duke bares his head, kneels down for a moment, and passes on quickly. The duchess holds the dauphin to prevent his advancing a step. The dauphin vainly seizes the duke to prevent him from kneeling, and makes a fruitless attempt to make him rise. Both cried with emotions as Chastelin, and so did all the spectators. In the royal receptions of modern times we undoubtedly find ceremonies bordering on the ludicrous, but we shall look in vain for this passionate anxiety about formalities, which attests that towards the close of the Middle Ages a moral significance still attached to them. After the young Count of Charolais, out of modesty, has obstinately refused to use the wash-basin before a meal at the same time with the Queen of England, the court talks the whole day of the incident. The duke to whom the case is submitted charges two noblemen to argue the case on both sides. Humble refusals to take precedence of another last upwards of a quarter of an hour. The longer one resists, the more one is praised. 
people hide their hands to avoid the honour of a hand-kiss the queen of spain does so on meeting the young archduke philippe le beau the latter waits patiently for a moment of inattentiveness on the part of the queen to seize her hand and kiss it for once spanish gravity was at fault the court laughed all the trifling amenities of social intercourse are minutely regulated etiquette not only prescribes which ladies of the court may hold each other by the hand but also which lady is entitled to encourage others to this mark of intimacy by beckoning them this right of beckoning Huchet, is a technical question for the old court lady aliénor de poitiers who has described the ceremonial of the court of burgundy the departure of a guest is opposed with troublesome insistence philip the good refuses to let the queen of france go on the day fixed by the king in spite of the fear which the poor queen and her train felt for the anger of louis eleventh goethe has said that there is not an outward sign of politeness which has not a profound moral foundation and emerson expresses almost the same thought when calling politeness virtue gone to seed it would perhaps be an exaggeration to say that at the end of the middle ages people were still fully conscious of the ethical value of politeness but surely people still felt its aesthetic value which marks the transition of these forms from sincere professions of affection to arid formalities of civility it is obvious that this rich adornment of life flourished nowhere so much as at the court of princes where people could devote time to it and had room for it this same cult of forms however spread downwards from the nobility to the middle classes where they lingered on after having become obsolete in higher circles customs such as that of urging a guest to have another helping of a dish or to prolong his visit of refusing to take precedence now hardly fashionable were in full bloom in the fifteenth century scrupulously observed though at the same time an object of satire above all public worship offered ample occasion for lengthy displays of civility in the first place there is the offrande no one is willing to be the first to place his alms on the altar Quote, passé non ferré au ravin certes si ferré ma cousine non ferré huchez nos voisines qu'elle doit mieux devant offrir vous ne le devriez souffrir dit la voisine n'appartient à moi offrez qu'à vous ne tient que le prêtre ne se délivre go on i shall not come forward certainly you will do so cousin i shall not call to our neighbour that she should offer before you you should not suffer it the neighbour says it does not belong to me offer only for you the priest has to wait when at last the person of highest rank has led the way the same debate will be repeated in connection with the pax a disc of wood silver or ivory that was kissed after the agnus dei amid polite refusals to kiss first the pax went from hand to hand among the notabilities with the result of a prolonged interruption of the service répondre doit la jeune femme prenez je ne prendrai pas dame si ferez prenez douce amie certes je ne le prendrai mi l'homme droit pour une sotte baillez damoiselle marotte non ferez jésus-christ m'en garde portez à madame hermagarde dame prenez sainte marie portez la paix à la baillie non mais à la gouvernesse 
the young woman should answer take it i shall not lady yes do take it dear friend i shall certainly not take it dear people would take me for a fool pass it miss marat i shall not jesus christ forbid take it to the lady ermagart lady take it holy mary take the packs to the bailiff's wife no but to the governor's wife End quote. Even a holy man like François de Paul thought it his duty to take part in these childish observances. The witnesses in the process for his canonization considered this behavior a mark of great humility and merit, which shows that satire can have hardly exaggerated, and that the ethical idea of these forms had not completely disappeared. With all this business of compliments, attending public worship became almost like dancing a minuet, for on leaving the church similar scenes are enacted in getting a superior to walk on the right hand or to be the first to cross a plank bridge or enter a narrow lane arrived at home the whole company has to be invited to enter and drink some wine as spanish courtesy demands to this day the company excuse themselves politely upon which it becomes requisite to accompany them part of the way in spite of their repeated protestations these futile forms become touching, and their moral and civilizing value is better understood on remembering they emanated from the passionate soul of a savage race, struggling to tame its pride and its anger. Quarrels and acts of violence go hand in hand with the ceremonious abdication of all pride, of which they are the reverse. Noble families disputed fiercely for that same precedence in church by which they courteously pretended to set little store. Often enough, native rudeness pierces through the thin veneer of politeness duke john of bavaria the elect of liege is a guest at paris at the festivities given in his honour by the great nobles he wins all their money from them in gaming one of the princes cannot restrain himself any longer and exclaims what devil of a priest have we got here it is the chronicler of liege jean de Stavelot, who reports the fact Quote, what is he to win all our money whereupon my lord of liege rose from the table and said angrily i am not a priest and i do not want your money and he took it and threw it all about the room and many marvelled greatly at his liberality the magnificent order maintained at the court of burgundy praised by christine de pisan by chastelin and by the bohemian nobleman leon of rotsmital acquires its full significance only when compared with the disorder which reigned at the court of france burgundy's older and more illustrious model in a number of his ballads eustache deschamps complains of the misery at court and these complaints are not merely variations on the familiar theme of disparagement of court life bad fare poor lodgings continual noise and disorder swearing and quarrels jealousies and injuries in short the court is an abyss of sins the gate of hell neither the sacred respect for royalty nor the almost sacramental value attaching to ceremonies could prevent decorum from being occasionally ignominiously thrust aside on the most solemn occasions at the coronation banquet of charles sixth in thirteen eighty the duke of burgundy seeks by force to take the place to which he is entitled as doyen of the peers between the king and the duke of anjou already the train of the duke begins to thrust aside their opponents threatening cries arise a scuffle is breaking out when the king prevents it by doing justice to the claims of the duke of burgundy even the infractions of solemn forms tend to become forms themselves 
it seems that it was more or less a custom for the funeral of a king of france to be interrupted by a quarrel of which the object was the possession of the utensils of the ceremony in fourteen twenty two the corporation of the enoirs or salt weighers of paris whose privilege it was to carry the king's corpse to st denis came to blows with the monks of the abbey as both parties claimed the pall covering the bier of charles VI. an analogous case occurred in fourteen sixty one at the funeral of charles seventh in consequence of an altercation with the monks the enoirs put down the coffin when they have come halfway and refuse to carry it any further unless they're paid ten pounds paris the lord grand master of the horse quiets them by promising to pay them out of his own pocket but the delay had been so long that the cortege arrives at st denis only towards eight at night after the interment a new conflict arises with regard to the pall of gold cloth between the monks and the grand master of the horse himself the great publicity which it was customary to give to all important events in the life of a king and which survived to the times of louis fourteenth sometimes led to a pitiable breakdown of discipline in the most solemn occasions at the coronation banquet of thirteen eighty the throng of spectators guests and servants was such that the constable and the marshal of sancerre had to serve up the dishes on horseback at the coronation of henry sixth of england at paris in fourteen thirty one the people forced their way at daybreak into the great hall where the feast was to take place some to look on others to regale themselves others to pilfer or steal victuals or other things the members of the parliament and of the university the provost of the merchants and the aldermen after having succeeded with great difficulty in entering the hall find the tables assigned to them occupied by all sorts of artisans an attempt is made to remove them but when they had succeeded in driving away one or two six or eight sat down on the other side at the inauguration of louis sixteenth in fourteen sixty one the precaution had been taken of closing the doors of the cathedral of rheims early and placing a guard there so that not more persons could enter the church than the choir could hold nevertheless the spectators so pressed round the altar where the king was anointed that the prelates assisting the archbishop could scarcely move and the princes of the blood were nearly squeezed to death in their seats of honour the passionate and violent soul of the age always vacillating between tearful piety and frigid cruelty between respect and insolence between despondency and wantonness could not dispense with the severest rules and the strictest formalism all emotions required a rigid system of conventional forms for without them passion and ferocity would have made havoc of life by this sublimating faculty each event became a spectacle for others mirth and sorrow were artificially and theatrically made up for want of the faculty to express emotions in a simple and natural way recourse must needs be had to aesthetic representations of sorrow and of joy the ceremonies accompanying birth marriage and death fully assume this character of spectacles aesthetic values have here taken the place of their old religious pagan for the most part or magic signification nowhere does the formalizing of the emotions assume a more suggestive appearance than in the sphere of mourning rites there is a tendency in primitive times to exaggerate the expression of grief like that of joy pompous mourning is the counterpart of immoderate rejoicings and of insane luxury at the death of jean saint Barre, 
the morning is organized with incomparable magnificence in which there was no doubt also a political by-purpose the retinue escorting philip of burgundy who went out to meet the kings of france and of england carried two thousand black veins to say nothing of the standards and banners seven yards long of the same colour the carriage of the duke and also the state seats have been painted black for the occasion at the meeting of Troyes, philip wears a mantle of black velvet which is so long as to hang down from his horse to the ground for a long time afterwards he and his court only show themselves dressed in black amidst the general black of court mourning the red worn only by the king of france not even by the queen must have made a most startling contrast in thirteen ninety three the parisians had the surprise of a pompous funeral all in white that of the king of armenia leon de lusignan who died in exile the manifestations of sorrow at the death of a prince if at times purposely exaggerated undoubtedly often enfolded a deep and unfeigned grief the general instability of the soul the extreme horror of death the fervour of family attachment and loyalty all contributed to make the decease of a king or a prince an afflicting event a savage exuberance of grief breaks out when the news is brought to ghent of the murder of jean saint Peur. All chronicles confirm it. Chastelain is diffuse on the subject. His heavy and trailing style is wonderfully well adapted for reporting the long harangue of the Bishop of Tournay to prepare the young Duke for the awful tidings, as well as for the majestic lamentations of Philip and of Michel of France, his consort. Half a century later, we see Charles the Bold at the deathbed of his father, weeping, crying out, wringing his hands, falling on the ground so as to make every one wonder at his unmeasured grief. Whatever may be the share of the court style in these narratives, what they tell us fits in too well with the overstrung sensibility of the epoch, and at the same time with the craving for clamorous mourning as an edifying thing, not to be substantially true. Primitive custom demanding that the dead should be publicly and loudly lamented still survived in considerable strength in the fifteenth century, noisy manifestations of sorrow were thought fine and becoming and all things connected with a deceased person had to bear witness to unmeasured grief the extreme fear of announcing a death likewise bears testimony to the same intermingling of primitive ritual and passionate emotionalism the death of her father is kept a secret from the countess of charolais who is pregnant during an illness of philip the good the court does not dare to announce to him a single death touching him at all nearly Adolphus of Cleve is forbidden to go into mourning for his wife out of consideration for the duke, who is ill. The Chancellor Nicholas Rollin dies. The duke is left in ignorance of his decease. Yet he begins to suspect it and asks the bishop of Tournay, who has come to visit him, to tell him the truth. My liege, says the bishop, in sooth he is dead. Indeed, for he is old and broken, and cannot live long. Quote, Dea, says the duke. I do not ask that. I ask if he's truly dead and gone. Ha, my liege, the bishop retorts, he is not dead, but paralyzed on one side, and therefore practically dead. The duke grows angry. Veshi merveille, tell me clearly now whether he is dead. Only then, the bishop says, yes, truly, my liege, he is really dead. End quote. Does not this curious way of announcing a death suggest some trace of ancient superstition, more even than the wish to spare a sick man? 
the anxiety to exclude systematically the thought of death denotes a state of mind analogous to that of louis the eleventh who would never again wear the dress he had on nor use the horse he was riding at the moment when evil tidings were announced to him and who even had a part of the forest of loche cut down where the tidings of the death of a newborn son were brought to him monsieur the chancellor the king writes on may twenty fifth fourteen eighty three I thank you for the letters, etc., but I beg you to send me no more by him who brought them, for I found his face terribly changed since I last saw him, and I tell you on my word that he made me much afraid, and farewell. The cultural value of mourning is that it gives grief its form and rhythm. It transfers actual life to the sphere of the drama. It shews it with the costurnus mourning at the court of france or of burgundy at the time with which we are concerned has to be regarded as a sort of acted elegy funeral ceremonial and funeral poetry which in primitive civilizations are still undistinguished in ireland for instance had not yet been completely separated mourning still continued a remnant of its poetical function it dramatized the effects of grief the nobler the deceased and the survivors are the more heroic the mourning for a whole year the queen of france may not leave the room in which the death of her consort was announced to her for the princesses the seclusion lasts six weeks during all the time that madame de charolais is in mourning for her father she remains in bed propped up by cushions and dressed in bands coif and mantle the rooms are upholstered in black the floor is covered with a large black cloth Aliénor de Poitiers has described for us all the gradations of the ceremonial, varying according to rank. Under this fine outward show, the feelings which are thus exhibited and formalized often tend to disappear. The pathetic posture belies itself behind the scenes. State and real life are clearly and naively distinguished. Aliénor, having described the sumptuous mourning of the Countess of Charolais, adds, quote, when madame was en son particulier she by no means always lay in bed nor confined herself to one room next to morning the lying-in chamber affords ample opportunity for fine ceremonial and differentiation according to rank the colours and materials of coverings and clothes all have a meaning green is the privilege of queens and of princesses whereas it was white in preceding ages la chambre verde was forbidden even to countesses during the lying-in of Isabelle de Bourbon, mother of Mary of Burgundy, five large state beds, all draped with an artful fabric of green curtain, remain empty, like state coaches at funerals, only to serve for ceremonious use of the baptism, while the mother reposes on a low couch near the fire. The blinds are kept closed all the time, and the room is lighted by candles. Through all the ranks of society, a severe hierarchy of material and color kept classes apart, and gave to each estate or rank an outward distinction, which preserved and exalted the feeling of dignity. Moreover, outside the sphere of birth, marriage, and death, a strongly felt aesthetic need tends to create a solemn and decorous form for every event and every notable deed. A sinner who humbles himself, a condemned prisoner who repents, a holy person sacrificing himself, all afford a kind of public spectacle. Public life in this way almost presents the appearance of a perpetual morale en action. Even intimate relations in medieval society are rather paraded than kept secret. Not only love, but friendship, too, has finally made up forms. 
two friends dress in the same way share the same room or the same bed and call one another by the name of mignon it is good form for the prince to have his minion we must not let the well-known case of henry III of france affect for us the ordinary acceptance of the word mignon in the fifteenth century there have been princes and favourites in the middle ages too who were accused of culpable relations richard ii of england and robert de Vere, for instance but minions would not have been spoken of so freely if we had to regard this institution as connoting anything but sentimental friendship it was a distinction of which the friends boasted in public on the occasion of solemn receptions the prince leans on the shoulder of the minion as charles v at his abdication leaned on william of orange to understand the duke's sentiment towards cesario in twelfth night we must recall this form of sentimental friendship which maintained itself as a formal institution till the days of james i and george villiers the complex of all these fine forms veiling cruel reality under apparent harmony made life an art this art leaves no traces and it is for this reason that its cultural importance has been noticed too little the tenderness of compliments the charming fiction of modesty and altruism the hieratic pomp of ceremonies the pageant of marriage all this is ephemeral and may seem culturally sterile that which gives them their style and expression is fashion not art and fashion leaves no monuments behind and yet at the close of the middle ages the connections between art and fashion were closer than at present art had not yet fled to the transcendental heights it formed an integral part of social life in the domain of costume art and fashion were still inextricably blended style in dress stood nearer to artistic style than later and the function of costume in social life that of accentuating the strict order of society itself almost partook of the liturgic the amazing extravagance of dress during the last centuries of the middle ages was as it were the expression of an overflowing aesthetic craving which art alone did not suffice to satisfy all relations all dignities all actions all sentiments had found their style the higher the moral value of a social function the nearer its form of expression approached to pure art whereas ceremony and courtesy have no other expression than conversation and luxury and pass away without visible residue the rites of mourning do not exhaust themselves in funeral pomp and fictions of etiquette but leave a durable and artistic expression in the sepulchral monument as in the case of marriage and baptism the link of mourning with religion heightens its cultural value still the richest flower of beautiful forms was reserved for three other elements of life courage honour and love end of section four read by sandra